This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Inglis, number one in its field. It's not generally known that top Queensland jockey Glenn Collis is actually a native of Coffs Harbour. He was a product of a non-racing family. He left school early to become indentured to a man called Val Fagata, whose name will ring a bell to the old-timers. Val was a successful jockey in Australia, England and India before settling down as a trainer at Coffs. The latter part of Glenn's apprenticeship was spent with Trevor Hardy, later to become the master of Zach Purton. And when his apprenticeship finished, and with two apprentices' premierships under his belt, Glenn Collis made a decision that would prove to be a winning move. He decided to settle on the Gull Coast, and he hasn't stopped riding winners since. More than 1,000 winners, in fact, three Brisbane jockeys' premierships, 30 stakes races, and three group ones. Glenn is currently playing a major role in the operation of Chris Waller's Gull Coast stable and is extremely contented with his lot in life. In fact, as we speak, Glenn Collis is reclining poolside on the Gull Coast. I hope you're comfortable there, son. Yeah, I am, mate. It's um, good to be on, Johnny. Thanks, Glenn. Great to talk, mate. Now, how big is Chris Waller's Gull Coast operation? Um, it's big enough. He's got a team of thirty here at the moment, and uh, you know it's we've got a um, good, good, good lot of staff. With um, Paul Shaler's in charge here, and um, you know all the staff, and it's real team effort. You know. Now Paul Shaler goes back a long way with Chris, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He originally came over with Chris when Chris first started in Australia, and um, he was his foreman and track work rider in Sydney when they first started out. So. Mm. Uh, he was with him for a fair few years, and then he went back to New Zealand and trained trained on his own. And um, when Chris was setting up the stable here, I think um, he got Paul to come back, and um, yeah, and Paul's running the joint here, so it's it's been good. Mm. Your wife Natasha also rides track work for the stable, so it it would seem that you two are very much on the same wavelength. But I read somewhere that when you go home, you don't talk about horses. No, we don't. It's a it's a funny setup. We um we do all our work together, but when we get home, we um don't talk about horses. We've got other things in life, and she enjoys going to the gym and things like that, and mm. uh, hanging out with her friends. And I enjoy um the home life. And as I said, if you walked into a house, you wouldn't even know a jockey lived here because I don't think there's one horse photo in in the whole house. Pretty unusual. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's just a thing that we've done and you know, to get away from it, and I think that sort of suits us fine. Has Natasha shown any inclination at any stage to be a jockey? No, um, she's a she's a fellow New Zealander as well, and she um, rode work in New Zealand, and um, she travelled to Japan for a few years and rode work over there, and then she came back to Australia and settled on the Gold Coast and mm. just rode freelance, and she took up a position with Chris um, when he opened up his stable up here. Mm, and then you swept her off her feet. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think we both swept each other off our feet, so it's just one of those things. And we <laughs> yeah. um, ended up, we got married uh, six years ago. I think we were together 13 years, so it's um, mm. yeah, it's been good. Let's go back to the magic of your first ever winning ride. It was a chestnut filly by Red Lord. She was yep. called Lady Rajada, and you won a 1,400-metre maiden on her at Grafton. 
Now, Glenn, her form couldn't have been too flash. She only had 49k. Yeah, she was, she was only a little mare and she didn't, um, her form was pretty ordinary, but she um, got back in the field and, 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 and towed me through and she won the race and the only reason I won, I think she just bolted on me. So, yeah, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things where I was only a little kid. I only weighed about 34 kilos when I was yeah. 15. So I, um, I was very tiny and uh, I think she just took charge and, yeah. and that's why she won. Glenn, you'd be surprised how many jockeys that I've interviewed on this podcast who tell me that their very first winners bolted on them. You're not the yeah. first one. You know who <laughs> told me the same story? You won't believe it. Darren Gauchy. Correct. Yeah, I think yeah. I um, might have read something about that where he said that, yeah, his first one bolted on him as well. But, yeah, yeah they bolted on me for a few years until I got a little bit stronger, a bit more confident <laughs> as well. Strangely, though, when you came out of your time, you suddenly got a weight surge. You put yeah, on I, weight. What caused that? Oh, I think just much of the good life i was living in kosava and um you know we only raced probably once or twice a week and mm. when you come out of your time when you're 19 you got money and you just mm. find things that probably you shouldn't find and i just um yeah got off the rails for a bit and yeah probably two i reckon two years i just spent bumming around the costs having probably 100 rides a season and just um mm. Yeah, I needed to get my life into order, and that's when I moved to the Gold Coast. Mm. Well, when you got to the Gold Coast, your weight had stabilised, and you were in for a few wonderful seasons, and your partnership with Alan Bailey was very, very productive. Gee, you two won some races together. Yeah, we did. I'm, I'm not quite sure how many races we won together, but, it, you know, probably close to 500, I'd say, and... You know, he was a um, he was just an inspirational part of my life at the, at that time. Um, he sort of got me going, and I um, my first ever ride for him, I won the gold market on a mm. horse called City Slicker, and it was funny how I got the ride. I'd I'd um, I'd met a bloke through I'd been here probably 18, 18 months, two years, and I was I was going alright, but I wasn't setting the world on fire, and um, a bloke by the name of Neil Jenkinson, he um, he introduced me to Alan Bailey and he had a horse with Alan, Alan Bailey and it was called City Slicker and mm. he said to um, Alan, um, I want um, Glenn to ride him in the in the gold market. And anyway, Alan sort of thought, oh, well, he's probably going to ride that kid. I'll give him a ride. And mm. Anyway, lucky enough, it drew one gate, got the run of the race and, and won. So that was that was the start of the, the Alan Bailey-Glenn um, mm. Collis show. You told me, Glenn, that not only was Alan Bailey intensely loyal right through your association with him, but when you put in an ordinary ride, as all jockeys do, he didn't dwell on it. No, he was um, he was great for your confidence, Alan. He was, you know, he sort of entrusted in you, like, to go out and do the job. And if, uh, the, plenty of times I stuffed it up, but um, when <laughs> I come back in after a race, he did. You know, he'd go, oh, well, you stuffed that up. And I'd go, yeah, I probably did. Yeah, you'd know yourself whether you did or you didn't. Yeah. And um, he'd just go, oh, we'll move on. There's, there's always the next one. You won't stuff it up the next time. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the things that he sort of really, um, yeah, put in, put in my head. And, and I sort of went through life like that. I, you know, mm. we all make mistakes, but, you know, you, you don't make the same mistake twice. So it was just one of those things that, 
you know, I just had the confidence so I could go out and ride his horses. He didn't give him any instructions. He let the horses do the talking and you do the riding, you know. So he was um, he was just a great, great bloke to ride for. Mm. Glenn, was Alan Bailey as good a judge as racing legend would have you believe? Ah, oh, for sure. Um, there was plenty of times on a Tuesday I'd gallop a horse and I thought to myself, like, jeez, this can't be winning Saturday, you know, it doesn't feel right. And you'd come in and used to sit in the coffee shop with him after gallop morning and he didn't like you telling him too much. He just liked you just telling you how the horses went. And anyway, I'd say to him, I said, oh, that one didn't feel that good this morning, boss. And I used to call him boss all the time. And mm. he'd go, yeah, it'll be right, it'll be right. And anyway, you'd get on it Saturday, you'd get on it and you'd be cantering to the barriers and you'd go to yourself, geez, this ain't the same horse I rode on Tuesday. And <laughs> you just knew that. It was on the job, and he just had it right. He was just a, you know, he's just a genius at getting them. And you know, he used to win races with horses that that weren't top grade, but mm. you know, he'd get them to win four and five on the trot. And, mm. You know, not many, not many trainers did that. And once they got going, you know, especially the mares, he, he'd have them up, and he'd have them up for like twelve mm. months, and you think they'd be ready for a spell, but they wouldn't. And he, mm. He's just a freak at just getting them to perform every week, every mm. couple of weeks. Without a doubt, your favourite horse from the Alan Bailey years was the gallant grey Make Mine Magic, owned by Mr and Mrs Peter Ty of Winks fame. Now, this yeah, horse won 14 races, Glenn, and you rode him in 12 of them. Yeah, that's correct. He was a great horse to me. Um, you know, from the time he won his maiden, he went right through. He, I think he won from 1,000 metres to 2,200 metres. I think he... He won a Grand Prix. I won a Grand Prix on him. He mm. beat two um, two Derby winners. I think Fairway and mm. Freemason were in the race, and he was um, it was his first time over twenty two hundred. And um, yeah, he beat yeah. So it was a pretty good effort by him. He was a, he was a mm. super horse. That horse, I think he ran fourth in two Stradbrokes. Mm. And you know, he's just a great horse. And I always say to Peter now, even though he's got wings, I said, "Oh, your favourite horses." make my magic isn't it and he, he yeah. just half giggles to himself you know he's yeah. he's still a great supporter of ours and yeah you know I, I often catch up with peter and patty and have a coffee and something to eat or you know and they, they've always sending us memorabilia of of winks and that so mm-hmm. you know they've been loyal friends for a long time never mind the memorabilia why don't they put you on winks one day <laughs> she's, she's only got four or five runs left i think yeah she's um but she's a super mare isn't she Unbelievable. I'm sure jockeys all around Australia, Glenn, on race day when Winx is in, I I can envisage jockeys all looking at the monitors in the jockeys' rooms at racetracks everywhere, all dreaming, if only I could be on that mare. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I um, I sit back and watch her and she gives you a little bit of a nervous nervous energy every now and then. To be going all right, and you think, geez, is she going any good? Or, you know, but she's got great confidence in her, and, you know, he just rides her like she's the best horse. And as I said, most of them good horses, they put you, they put you where they want to go. So yep. it's pre- pretty easy to stay out of trouble on them ones. Alan Bailey put you on a really good filly called Juan Mo uh, back around 2001. She only won three races, Glenn, silly as it sounds, but two of them were group ones. And you rode her in one of them, the Sires Produce Stakes at Eagle Farm. Yeah, that was correct. Um, she, 
she was a funny mare. She, uh, a funny filly, I should say. She won, I think she won a maiden or something, and then he come out and he ran her in the size, and I'd, um, I thought, oh, she's just a rough chance in the size. Anyway, she come out and won, and mm. ended up getting time, and um, Kieran McAvoy picked the ride up in the in the mile race. What's uh, the next? Her next group one, and and mm. he won on a. So um, yeah, it was unfortunate for me to miss the group one the second time around. But yeah, it was just. I think it was. I think it was Alan's first group one winner. One mm. uh, most. So yeah, that was pretty special. I mentioned in the intro that you've won three Brisbane Jockeys premierships. And you went very close to a fourth on another occasion. I think you and Jimmy Byrne came into the final day with a win between you. Yeah, that's correct. Um, he's always been a bit of a competitor with me, Jimmy Byrne, and um, we had a couple of good seasons there where we where we fought it out. And I just I can't remember, but I, I'm, as you said, if it was one, I, I'm not quite sure how it ended up mm. on the day, but you know. He, he probably deserved to win it. It went right down to the wire, that one. Yeah, for sure. The 2019 English Premier Yearling Sale will be held at Oakland's Junction in Melbourne where 786 lots have been catalogued for four days of selling between the 3rd and the 6th of March. The Premier Sale has produced some of Australia's best performers in the last year, including Group 1 winning two-year-olds written by and Seabrook, four-time Group 1 winner Santa Anna Lane and the exciting three-year-old Ring-a-Ding-Ding. The 2019 Premier Catalogue is bursting with quality and features siblings to 73 stakes winners and eight Group 1 winners, including Boomtime, Shocking, Pinker Pinker and Seabrook. The sale will be held at a New Look Oaklands Complex, which is undergoing an $8 million refurbishment, making it one of the best auction houses in the world. The dates again, March 3rd to March 6th, and catalogues are available online at english.com.au or in hard copy for the 2019 Premier Yearling Sale. Now, Glenn, your new trainer, Mal Gerard, in your Coffs Harbour days, so it was no surprise when you linked up with a great little horse called Mr Innocent. You rode him in 15 of his 39 starts. You won six races on him, highlighted by the Doomben 10,000. You won two Group 2s, one Group 3 and two listed races. And, you know, the day you won the 10,000, you've probably forgotten, but I remember... I stuck a Sky Channel microphone right in your face just mm-hmm. just after you unsaddled him and I could tell you were pretty chuffed. Yeah, I was. He was um, a special horse to me. He'd been... Um, Mick Dippman rode him early doors. I think he won the size project. His first... Uh, uh, the, what's the race they have um, for the two-year-olds? Uh, the Breeders' Plate. I th- yeah, I yeah that's right. He, he did. Yeah, he won, the, he won the Breeders' Plate his first start in a race and then... Um, yeah, Mick rode him then, and mm. he stuck with him for a while. And then I was lucky enough. I don't know where Mick was away somewhere, and I knew the owners, and uh, yeah, they stuck me on him, and that's where the association started. And oh, Mal, he was he was a character. He, <laughs> Wasn't um, he? We had our ups and downs with Mal throughout life, but um, yeah. when that all was come along, it sort of brought us closer together. And you know, we um, we enjoyed the ride. And as I said, he was pretty sick at the time. Mal, he was battling cancer and yeah. for him to come out and want, you know, win the 10,000, that was pretty special. And 
we thought we'd go and win the Stratty after that, and um, he ran second. He, the winner, yeah. I think, was landsiding and probably carried yeah. six or seven kilos uh, less than him, and, you know, he ran a gallon second, so, you know, mm. he's a great horse to me. He ran third in another Stradbroke. He ran second yeah, he in a George Main at Randwick. He ran third in another Doombin 10,000. And one of his really good runs, Glenn, was in a Ramoni when he had 60K. He was right there, a close third. Yeah, he was. That was his last start, I think. Mm, we it took was. Him to, yeah, we took him. That was his swan song. We thought we'd take him back home. And, mm. you know, Grafton across Harbour was sort of where we'd come from. So we thought, we'll, if mm. we're going to go out, We'll take him out there and, you know, he ran in the Ramon, he carried 60 and a half and I probably didn't give him the best ride. I, I just probably thought he was too good for him and mm. and um, he wasn't. He had to carry the 60 and, um, you know, I, as I said, I probably didn't give him the best ride. He probably deserved to go out a winner. Mm. Glenn, the day he won the 10,000, Mal, you probably wouldn't recall, Mal was done up like a sore toe. He had a brand new suit on. And a magnificent tie that I couldn't get my eyes off all day. And yeah, I just I can't remember what he wore, but yeah. he, was all, he was always a flashy dresser. Mel, oh, wasn't he? he did have it. He was. Um, I remember when he first came up from Victoria when he moved up from Mornington, and mm. um, this bloke turned up, a little grey-headed fella, and he had the pork pie hat on and the nice mm. suit, and I was just it was a bit of a bit of an eye opener when he first moved to Cost, but he mm. was. Um, yeah, he was always flashy dresser. Well, the tie he was wearing on 10,000 Day, I interviewed him after the race and I said, hey, Mal, I, f- I fancy that tie a bit. You know what he did? <laughs> he took it off and he stuffed it in the pocket of my coat. All right. He said, it's yours. I said, don't be ridiculous. You've got to go up to the committee room and meet the committee and you've got to hobnob a bit for a while. You've just won the group. Well, no, 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 it's your tie. If you like it, you can have it. And, Glenn, I've still got it. That's cr- that's great, isn't it? You know, it's, um, I'm sure he's sitting up there laughing at you now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I rang him. He was in hospital in Coffs Harbour, very ill, and uh, I'm delighted and grateful to this day that I rang him just a few days before he passed on, and he was still quite lucid. We had a good conversation, but uh, he was very, very ill and didn't last very long after that phone call at all. But I'm, I'm very pleased I had that conversation with him. He was a great character. Yeah, he was. He, he was a character. You've got it. You've got that right. And as I said, he, um, that horse probably. Made him last a few more years than he should have. You know, he was he was going through some some bad times, and um, I'm mm. sure Mr. Innocent kept him um, kept him alive for them extra couple of years, and and um, you know they enjoyed their success. You've had two surprise phone calls in your riding career that led to big wins. Now here is a good one. 2008, you get a phone call from the late Jack Denham. That must have surprised you. Yeah, I, I'd been doing a little bit of riding for him every now and then um, over the carnivals. Um, he'd always send up a horse, and I, I rode, I think, reenact for him and a couple others, and mm. I might have won a um, oh, a couple of races in Brisbane for him over the winter carnival. And anyway, I think it was a yeah, it was a Thursday meeting at Hawkesbury, Hawkesbury Cup day, and um, he'd rang up and he goes, "Oh, can you come to Hawkesbury?" I think. Oaks Day was running Victoria on the on the same yep. 
Hawks- Hawksbury's yeah. big meeting of the year, that one. Yeah, it was. Mm. And, um, yeah, he rang up and, oh, anyway, I went down and rode him and I, I turned up and Jack wasn't there and Alan was there and I was become pretty matey with Alan as well. And I said to um, Al, I said, oh, how will this horse go? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there was no instructions and, anyway, I went out and rode it and, yeah, set three pairs back rails and got all the runs and, and mm. won. So, yeah, he was he's a man of um, not many words, Jack, but, um, yeah, he, he, was, he was a good supporter of mine. Yeah, Glenn, I'm trying to think of the horse's name. Was it Nuclear Treaty? Um, nuclear Sky, was it? N- nuclear Sky, correct. Yep. Yeah, Nuclear Sky, yeah. It was, um, yeah, just one of those one-off calls and, yeah, go out. Mm. He won the Horsebury Cup. It was good. Well, there was a better phone call than that one. What about the day you're driving along in the car and Lee Friedman rings you up? Yeah, it was... Another it was, surprise. Yeah, I was on my way home from the Sunshine Coast and it was Sunday, a Sunday and my manager rang and he goes, oh, I've just had Lee on the phone. He wants you to ride a horse um, next Saturday in the, in the TJ Smith. And I said, oh... BTC Cup. It? Yeah, BTC Cup, that's correct. Group and he one, goes, yeah. Yeah, and I said, oh, what horse is it? And he goes, oh, a horse called Malaguir. And I'd sort of seen his, a couple of his races in Sydney before. And um, anyway, yeah, so I picked the ride up on him just out of the blue. And uh, Lee rang me on the way to the races on the Saturday. And I asked him what he thought. And he said, oh, don't overplay it. He said, I think he's a nice horse. He said he's probably not group one material, but... He'll um he'll acquit himself well, but you know he's probably probably just the shade under Group One anyway. He came out and won the race, and I think he went on and won another Group One after that. So mm. um, he turned out a, a pretty nice horse, didn't he? Malaguira. Now that is the only time you sat on his back. Yeah, that's correct. I um I rode him then, and then I rode it. I I'm undefeated because I rode him in a barrier trial after that. And he won the trial, and um, I think Oliver rode him in the uh, yeah. Stradbroke. Yeah. Glenn, is that the only ride you've had for any of the Friedman operations? No, I had. Um, I had over the years had a had a couple of rides for him, but um, yeah, it, it, I couldn't remember or tell you what the horses were. But um, yeah. yeah, I had had every now and then. Yeah. Other trainers for whom you've had a lot of success. Include Kelly Sweeter, who's had a good season, uh, John Wallace, uh, virtually a hobby trainer these days, Rob Heathcote, and John Hawkes. Uh, you won a Wheatwood handicap at Toowoomba for Hawksy on a horse called Burrito. Yeah, I did, um, and I think I got the sack on the way up before the race. So <laughs> I I, um, I'd taken a ride. I'd taken a ride on the sad day of his and. Anyway, Alan had one in the race as well, and I'd taken a ride on it, so I was doubly booked. And anyway, um, it was a Thursday, and John had rang up and said, "Oh well, you know, today's your last day because you're getting off that one sad day, you you sack." So, <laughs> but um, I think I might have got a reprieve somewhere along the line. But yeah, he was a great supporter of mine when he had the stable here, John Hawks. He, yeah, I rode some really nice horses for him. Um, a horse called Guineas, who ended up winning the Slipper, and. Mm. Um, yeah, I rode some really nice horses for him. Now, here is another dinner party horse for you, Buffering. What a yeah, mighty buffering. horse. 20 wins, 7.3 million. 
you won a three-year-old on him at Eagle Farm. Yeah, I did. I rode him early doors. And it was funny, um, later in his career, I rode him a lot of his gallops um, before he went away. Um, Robert um, bring him to the races and, and get permission to gallop him um, in between races at either Durban or Eagle Farm before he t- take him in away for some of his big assignments. And, um, yeah, he'd always give me the call up and say, oh, can you come and have a ride on him and give him a gallop? And, mm. yeah, he was, he was just, a, just a little war horse, wasn't he? he was yeah. just, um, him and Brownie got on so well and they just, um, yeah, they just suited each other. And, um, yeah, he was a tough little racehorse, but he, mm. he was a war horse as well. Now, Glenn, I've got a recollection of your running second on him one day at Randwick. Did you fly down and ride him here one day? Yeah, I did. I rode him, uh, I think a horse of Peter Moody's might have beat him. I just can't remember. It was. Mm. It, it might have been a Group 2 race or a Group 3 race yeah. early doors. So, yeah, I think it was probably – he would. He probably only would have been a three-year-old then. So, mm. yeah. And yeah. Did, he, did he feel the real deal that early in his career? No, he didn't, surprisingly. Um, he was only a plain little horse. Um, but as I said, he had a big engine and he um, later in life he just got he just got better and it, it took him all that time to win the Group 1 and then once he won the Group 1, away he went. So yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure how many Group 1s he won after that, but he was a, he was a bulldog with a horse. He was a mm. great little horse. 7.3 million in prize money. Now, Glenn, yeah. I mentioned your three Metro premierships in Brisbane. Yep. You also won four Ipswich titles. Yeah, it's sort of something I've never really um, worried about, like premierships or, or, or titles, because I just think you're only as good as your next winner. So I've, I've been lucky enough. Alan used to run a lot of horses at Ipswich in them, in them times, and, you know, I don't know how many premierships he won at the Gold Coast and Ipswich, and in town he might have won five or six premierships in town as well. So, mm. you know, I was just lucky enough to be part. I was along for the ride. I, I, um, I just had to go out and do my job. And you know, as I said, he he was one of the greatest supporters I had. You haven't had that many accidents all up, uh, considering the number of rides you've had. But your two worst were no fault of your own. Four years nah. ago, a pig of a thing called Hazard Bay. What an appropriate name for a horse of its temperament. Bucked you off just after going onto the track and then had the audacity to stomp all over you. He didn't miss yeah. you, did he? No, he never. He, um, he was a real hazard all right. Um, I'd, I'd watched the horse race at, um, uh, I think he won at the Sunshine Coast. I think Bradley Stewart had won on him previously, his first start, and he was a bit of a, bit of a handful going to the barriers and I think Brad fell off him a couple of times behind the barriers that day and mm. anyway when I got the call up to ride him I thought oh I don't mind riding I anyway I got him in the enclosure he was as quiet as a lamb I've gone geez he's nice and quiet this pony you know this horse mm. today and they said oh we're going to get him led to the gates and I think the clerk of the course had another one to lead as well so I was sort of just going to walk out beside him. he walked up the laneway perfect and as soon as he got on the track he just dropped his head and away he went and as I said I was hanging off the side and I thought oh I should be able to stick with this and as I as I you know I fell off the offside of him and I pulled myself straight underneath him and he just ran straight over me and mm. yeah I had to get about I had to get my face all um reconstructed he stood on my face and my nose and um tore, tore my nose off and I got about five or six close I remember laying on the track and 
Mm. They put up the big big green screen they put around for the for the um, for the for the horses, you know, when mm. when they, when they go, I miss, and I remember Kelly Slider there going when they put the screen up. He goes, "Oh, you aren't going to put him down." I guess. <laughs> and, it's funny uh, now, wasn't it? The time? <laughs> no, it was, as I said, he was. Um, yeah, and I, I think I broke my wrist and my elbow, and it, it took me a long time to come back, and yeah. it uh, killed all the nerves in my face, and I lost all my teeth, and mm. yeah, so it was. Um, yeah, it was pretty horrific, but as I said. You know, it just makes you a little bit stronger, I suppose. Nine years ago at Eagle Farm, a horse collapsed and died under you, but not before crashing into the outside fence and doing serious damage to your left foot. Yeah, that's correct. I was outside leave, I come out of the corner and poor thing had a heart attack and veered off the track and there's, there's never a good time to get off. And I um, sort of thought I'd go along for the ride until, until he stopped and... Anyway, he didn't stop. He crashed through the outside fence, and it was one of those world mesh fences. And he he tore me along it, and he just opened me, me um, riding boot up like a sardine can, and tore a couple of my toes off and broke every bone in my foot. And God. yeah, I remember, I remember laying on the track, and I just peeled my boot back, and I had a look, and I'm going, oh, this is no good. Mm. It's funny, you know, I'd never had much pain, and laying on the track and the next minute one of the ambulance guys comes running over and one of the stewards and they've gone oh don't look at your foot and i've gone nah it's all right i said i've got two toes in the bottom of my boot you can get out i oh, said but gosh. that's not that's not the worst thing i said mm. that's not the most painful thing i said i'm laying here and i said the ants are biting the shit out of me can you get me <laughs> off these bull ants nest <laughs> you're kidding yeah, so as if was, you didn't I, have enough trouble. Yeah, exactly. I landed on a bull ant's nest, so that, that's how my luck was going that day. But um, uh, as I said, my foot wasn't that sore. The bull ants probably, the pain <laughs> from them was worse, I reckon. <laughs> hey, Glenn, there's a funny side to most stories, isn't there? That's, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. you, you've got to have a little bit of humour. Now, you, you've just had three months off recovering from another back injury. You've only been back a few weeks. Yeah, I've only been back a few weeks. I've... Um, had a bit of an injury in my back. I, I did a disc in my back, so I, I probably just had to take some time to recuperate. And as I said, I was, I was still working on the ground at Chris's, and that showed me a, a bit more insight into how they run their stable. And mm. um, it was quite interesting just to be still working on the ground and still being part of the horse. And as I said, I've, I've enjoyed teaming up with them because it's sort of brought me back closer to the horse. Whereas, you know, mm. when you're a uh, when you're a jockey, all you do is ride and you sort of fall out of love with the horse and, you know, it becomes a job. But as I said, mm. since starting back there and riding work and, and getting around the horses, you, you um you know, you start to you start to love the animal again and I've I've um yeah, this time of my life I've sort of I didn't think I'd be doing it, but I, I really enjoy it and um yeah, it's something I like getting up in the morning and, and going to the track and riding work and, you know, seeing the horses every day and yeah, it's it's quite good. Glenn, it seems you're pacing yourself these days. You you don't intend to ride as frequently as you have over the years. No, as I said, your body, you know, you get to my age, your body catches up with you a little bit. And I think, um, you know, I still enjoy, I still enjoy riding. Um, but as I said, you've sort of got to look after your body a bit more. And, you know, if I ride at them a couple of meetings a week, it sort of suits me fine and sort of base myself back at the Gold Coast, mainly of a Saturday now and, you know, I'm really enjoying getting back there and, and riding. And as I said, it's um, 
I, I just like the adrenaline rush. It's it's one of those things. It's you can't you can't get that sort of rush anywhere else unless you're out riding. And mm. as I said, I um it's like bungee jumping every day, but um we get to do it five or six times, which is even better. Yeah. You've got two sons, Glenn, Jordan, who's 20, not into racing at all, and young Dylan, who's 15, and he rode track work for the first time this week. What a terrific interest for you. Yes. Um, yeah, Jordan, he's in class and he's going really well down there and he's you know, got himself a good job and he's, 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 you know, he's the apple of my eye. But young Dylan, he's, he's just started working for Chris as well and he had no interest in the horses and all of a sudden he thought, oh, this might be a bad job. And so anyway, he's, he's been, I think he's been there probably three or four months now working and mm. um, he's left school and he's just started riding and I'll probably get more nervous teaching him to ride than um, mm. I do myself. But um, I'm really enjoying it. And as I said, he, he, um, I took him around the train tech the other morning for the first time. He's probably only been on three or four times on the horses and, he handled it really well, and anyway, I took I took him back this morning, Sunday morning, and um, he said to me, he goes, oh, can I go for a bit of a can? And I said, oh, yeah, it shouldn't be too bad. I said, just try it two laps first, and we'll see when you get around. And anyway, I'm there, and I'm, I said, yeah, you can go for a bit of a can. So he, he canned it off and got around the other side, and I sort of lost inside of him in the barn, and mm. I'm waiting for him to come along. I'm going, geez, where is he? Next thing <laughs> I look over. Here he is in front of the horse walking along and I sort of walked over towards him and as I'm walking towards him, he just swung himself back on it and trotted off again and I got back around the other side. I said, what happened? He goes, oh, I got to the top corner and he said he just stumbled over and I went straight over his edge. Oh, he fell off. <laughs> <laughs> he fell off. So oh, I didn't okay. see it, but I, I seen the aftermath of it. And, but, yeah. yeah, he swung straight back on and away he went again. So that's, yeah. what, that's what happens when you're young. You just you want to want to get it all done really quickly. So that's the name we've got to watch for, Dylan Collis. Yeah, for sure. He's, um, you know, whether he gets too big or not, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, while he's wanting to do it, I suppose you can't you can't hold him back. But, you know, yeah. that's what they want to do. You've got to let him do it. Glenn, do you see yourself as another Jeff Lloyd? Can you imagine riding into your late 50s? Oh, for sure. Um I admire Jeff and, you know, he's such a great rider. And I think while you're fitting well, I think, you know, it's just one of those things you can't get out of your blood. As I said, like, I just enjoy the adrenaline rush and, um, you know, there's there's no better feeling than winning. And, you know, if you get on the right ones, I'm sure we can still steer him pretty good. Well, Glenn, I've enjoyed our chat on the podcast. I really appreciate you giving up the time on a Sunday. And I've interrupted your uh, pool session so you can now get back to that. Yeah, that's great, John. It's been a pleasure being on your show. And, uh, yeah, I've always been a um, great admirer of yours. And uh, thanks very much for having me on. My pleasure, Glenn Collis. Thanks for your time. Okay, cheers, mate. Bye. The 2019 Sydney Classic Yearling Sale will entail four days of Book One, February the 9th to the 12th, when 808 yearlings will be offered and the Highway Session, Book 2, February the 14th, which will see a further 205 youngsters go under the hammer. Wednesday the 13th of February will be a Highway Race Day at Warwick Farm, featuring two Highway Handicaps, one for country trained horses, one for provincial trained horses. 
If the winner of either highway race is an eligible English graduate, the winning trainer will receive a $50,000 credit voucher to spend at the highway session the following day. In recent years, the classic sale has produced horses like She Will Reign, Yankee Rose, Extreme Choice, Extra Brute, I Am A Star, Hellbent and Maid of Heaven, all distinguished Group 1 winners. Top horses just keep turning up from the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale.